Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, Are you the, the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief, the chief priests and the crowd, I found no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying he stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee, even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by vehemently accusing him and Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate and Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day. Well, before this, they have been at enmity with one another. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, you brought me this man as one who was misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing is deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish and release him. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Can you guys all hear me today? Wonderful, wonderful. A little chilly this morning, um, perhaps a little bit harder for many of you to wake up, but praise the Lord that you are up. It just shows us that our, our bodies, uh, well, our bodies are weak, and oftentimes we need the Lord to wake us up, to to get us here at this moment where we can worship one worship together the Lord who has saved us. So as we continue our journey through the gospel of Luke, uh, we come to the section where Jesus gets arrested. And we learn a lot about our Savior, Jesus, and the love that he has poured out for you and me. Remember, two weeks ago, um, Jesus was arrested and Peter was there and Peter saw that Jesus was taken away and that Jesus was uh, put in a sort of a, a jail and he was in the courtyard and he denied Jesus three times. And, and before he denied him the last time or after he denied him the last time, uh, Jesus peers over and they, and they, and they lock eyes. And you can feel the emotion of that moment. Jesus knowing that this man was about to deny him or had denied him. And Peter feeling the guilt in his heart that he had denied the very Savior who had come to save him. Now, Jesus was arrested. And when he was arrested, he was actually arrested by the palace guards. 
these palace guards worked for the Sanhedrin, which is basically the Jewish council, the leadership of the day. And they arrested him because they were afraid that he was stirring up the Jewish people, saying that the Messiah had come, saying that the, the authority of the Pharisees and the Sadducees were lacking, that they did not have a righteousness that was pleasing to God. Jesus was also doing many miracles and people were flocking to him. He was healing the sick. He was driving out demons. Jesus not only looked like a prophet, but he spoke more as God himself, as he taught with authority, quoting scripture over and over again. And as he would quote scripture, he would point to a time where the kingdom of God would come. And so they waited and planned until Judas Iscariot finally handed over Jesus. And a little skirmish occurred. But in the end, Jesus was taken away by the palace guards. And so imagine here you are in the country, in, in the in the in the kingdom, sorry, in the empire of Rome. Israel is sort of like this vassal state within it. Um, they set up lo little local governments, people like Pilate, people like Herod, to sort of keep control of the population to make sure they're loyal to Rome and not cause too much trouble. And one of the things that they understood was that the Jewish religion was very important and to do anything really radical against the Jewish people would cause nothing but an uprising um, within them or amongst them. And so in a sense, they gave the, the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders, um, some autonomy, some rights to govern themselves and to govern the people with the religion that they had, as long as it did not create problems for the Roman empire and here is jesus knowing that he would be handed over to not only the jewish people but to humanity in general to be judged amongst the jewish people the judgment was simple simple do you say that you are the son of man do you say that you are the son of God? Do you put yourself on the same level of God himself? And Jesus did not deny any of that. No prophet has ever said that they are the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Messiah. No king has ever said that. No priest has ever said that. No character in the Old Testament has ever said that. But here is Jesus saying, I am the son of man. I am the son of God. I am the fulfillment of the prophecy of the Messiah who is to come. I am the fulfillment of the prophecy of the divine being who comes down from heaven in the form of man to live amongst the people, to save them. And the Jewish people, the leaders, would have nothing of that.
So firstly, it is God's, it's Jesus' own people, the ones who had the promises of the covenant, who first deny him and first judge him and first hand him over. This is one of the most cruelest fates that Jesus has experienced. Here is a man, a God himself, in which the whole Old Testament was written about. Here is a people who God in his covenants from the time that, that, um, that, that Abraham all the way to the time of David and the new covenant that the people were waiting for. And yet those are religious leaders of the day who could not see and understand that this Jesus was a fulfillment of all of that. Jesus not only being betrayed by Peter's denial, but in a sense, Jesus being betrayed by his own people who should have known and recognized who he was. We as God's people, when we come to know Jesus more and more, we need to understand that when Jesus has revealed himself as the son of man, as the son of God, as the one who's come to, to, to fulfill all the promises of the Old Testament, as the one who's come to, to save not only the Jews, but also the Gentiles. That when we are asked the question, is he the son of man? Is he the son of God? Do we know him who he as he is? That in our hearts and with our mouths, we say yes. And we say yes with conviction. Today in our world, there are religious leaders who whenever they hear that Jesus is the son of man or son of God, that whenever they hear that Jesus claims a divine status with the father himself, that they look at that Jesus and say, that Jesus does not belong to me. I do not believe in the Jesus who is fully divine like God. I do not believe in a Jesus who died for people's sins. I do not believe a Jesus that scripture has offered to us. And they themselves are all over again crucifying that Jesus himself. We as God's people, when we look at Jesus before the council and look at what he is going through, when people ask him, are you the son of man? Are you going to be seated at the right hand of God? We say along with, 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 uh, we say along with Jesus and for the people who are with him, we say, yes, that is our Jesus. And we say we stand with him. For he is the one who loves us 
and saves us. Be aware of those who deny Jesus' calling and divinity. Be wary of those who would crucify that same Jesus over and over again, not wanting him to be what he says that he would be. Now the council wanted to, to get rid of Jesus, but this council did not have authority um, to, to arrest him um, politically. They did not have authority to, to uh, uh, flog him. And they did not have the authority of capital punishment. So they bring him before Pilate. And they mislead the Pilate himself. He says in verse 2, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Now, what the Jewish people are trying to portray before Pilate is that Jesus is committing the sin of sedition, that he is trying to assert his kingdom in order to overthrow the Roman Empire. And one of the things that they bring up, which, you know, they try to trick Jesus before, is that they're saying that Jesus told other people not to pay their taxes. Jesus is telling people that any tribute you have to Caesar, well, you shouldn't render it to him anymore. And we know in the, in the, in, in the past, in, in, in the Gospel of Luke, that Jesus says, look at, look at the coin, whose, whose image is there? And then render unto Caesar what is Caesar, and render unto the Lord what is the Lord. But the Sanhedrin, the, the leaders, the Jewish leaders were doing anything they could, bring up any charges they could to bring about a guilty verdict from Pilate himself. Pilate asked him very succinctly, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus' response is simply, you have said so. But after the questioning, Pilate says very simply, I find no guilt in this man. I find no guilt in this man. And so here was the secular government represented in Pilate himself. And when they measured what Jesus has done, they saw that Jesus did not meet the, the measure of sedition. He didn't do anything to really raise up the, the rile up the Jewish people uh, to form a revolution against them. Now we know that Pilate and has had heard of who Jesus is and of the miracles that he has done. We know that, that Pilate himself knows that this man is stirring up issues and trouble among the Jewish people, but nothing of the sort of sedition. We, we know that this is important because we know that just a couple hundred years ago that there was actually an uprising among the, among the Jewish people called, um, 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 with, with what we call the Hasmonean dynasty, a group of brothers who actually tried to overthrow the Roman Empire. 
And so they had experience in understanding those who would willingly try to raise an army to upthrow the Roman Empire over against someone like Jesus, who's simply rallying up the Jewish leaders because he does not conform to their teachings. Now, Pilate decided, listen, I, I, I can't have like this trouble. This is just too much trouble to, to listen to these leaders of these Jewish people and all the complaints that they have. And, and they want me to, to uh, um, you know, sentence a, an innocent man, but he was given the way out. Oh, he's from Galilee? You know what? I don't need to deal with this. Send him to Herod. So they sent Jesus to Herod. And when he was before Herod, Herod was very, very glad to see him because he heard much about him and was willing to simply entertain this Jesus and to hear his stories. Now, again, before him, the charge was sedition, claiming to be the king of the Jews. And so they mocked him. Fake throne, fake robe. But again, before the government himself, Jesus was found to be not guilty. At least not worthy of a capital crime. Jesus simply, oh sorry, Herod simply wanted to sort of just punish him and then let him go back to his life. And in the end, when he was called back to, to Pilate, the rulers were again saying, listen, this man is stirring up much trouble. You got to do something about it. Now, there was a time where they would release a man, release a man who was guilty or deserving of death, perhaps. And they, Pilate asked them, who would you have me release? Barabbas, who's been convicted of, of killing, or Jesus himself? And as you know the story, the people shouted, give us Barabbas, sentencing Jesus to death. This is an interesting account of how Jesus was given a trial before the Sanhedrin, before Pilate, before Herod, and then back to Pilate again. This is Jesus's sort of um, right to, uh, to defend himself, a right to speak out against the charges that were against him. But Jesus said nothing. Jesus said nothing. If you read the Gospel of Luke carefully, whenever Jesus is tossed a question about who he is, whenever he's tossed a question about the source of his miracles, whenever he's tossed a question about a coin, and taxes, 
Jesus is not at a loss for words, is he? He's always ready to speak the truth to those who would be against him. Harsh words, but true words. To those who needed to hear mercy, merciful words. To those who needed hope, hopeful words of God's love. But here he is before three different authority figures who are accusing him of things that he, well, that, that, that does not, that, that he, accusing him of things that he has done. And yet Jesus chooses a different path here. He chooses not defense, but he chooses to keep silent. And when we look at this silence, we can see several things. First, brothers and sisters, we can see that it is humanity that has condemned Jesus. Okay, it is humanity, you and I, who has condemned Jesus. It's the powers, the religious powers, and the political powers that have condemned Jesus. It is the mob and the crowds that have condemned Jesus. It is the sinfulness of all humanity together that has condemned Jesus. Now Jesus could have spoken and retorted and powerfully defended himself. Jesus could have called down his angels to powerfully demonstrate that he is righteous. Jesus could have asserted his innocence in all things. But he chose instead to take on and to receive these unjust accusations from humanity so that humanity can see that their sin is what killed our Savior Jesus himself. Jesus lived a completely righteous life. Jesus was without sin. And it is Jesus himself who will die. Not because of his unrighteousness. But Jesus dies because of his righteousness. This whole trial is a farce. In heaven. But it's a farce that allowed us to see the sinfulness of sin itself. The second thing that teaches us, and I alluded to this, is that Jesus himself is completely righteous in all of this. That there is no charge here against Jesus. 
that in heaven would, would stick. Now, they're claiming that Jesus is claiming that he's the son of man, that he's the king of the Jews, that he's come to usher in his kingdom, that he's come to usher in um, a, a new covenant. And at, at this point, you might look at that and say, well, he's guilty of that. That's true. He's done all of that. But what Jesus, is, what we see here is that the, 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 um, the jurisdiction under humanity cannot judge him compared to the jurisdiction of the kingdom of God. All these are true, but none of these things deserve the punishment that comes under the Sanhedrin or the political courtroom. These things are true, but under the courtroom of God, it is humanity that should be punished and not us. It is the courtrooms and the and the religious leaders that have failed to do their duty in acknowledging who Jesus is. And they themselves should fall under, or will fall under, fall under the judgment of God himself. Jesus himself was righteous and perfect in every way. Lastly, Jesus willingly laid down his life for his people. What Jesus did in not defending himself was the fulfillment of scripture of Isaiah 53 verse 7. It says this, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Jesus' judgment is a fulfillment of the Messiah, that the Messiah will not defend himself, but instead simply lay down his life for his people. And in so doing, Take away the sins of those who would confess his name. Jesus was the one and is the one who took upon himself unrighteous accusations that we may see that the only true judge and only righteous one is God himself. Brothers and sisters, as you read the account of, of Jesus' arrest and his arraignment before these, uh, these councils and, and Herod and, and Pilate, I want you to get a sense of how much Jesus loves you. That he would go through all of these steps for you. Someone who was without blame. Someone whose, whose claim was perfectly legitimate. And yet he knew that the only way for this claim 
to come to fruition. It's not by grabbing it with two hands and saying it's mine, but to let it go and allow himself to die. It is in his death and in his silence that allowed the Lord of heaven to, to raise him up and sit him at the right hand of God. In many ways for us as believers in Christ, as we see him and how he laid down his life, we too must lay down in our lives in, in many different ways. We do not want to lift ourselves up so that people can see us. We want to allow the Lord to lift up this church and one another. That people may see that the life of this church is not by the strength of humanity, but by the strength of Jesus himself. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. And we thank you so much for what our Savior Jesus has did, done for us, Lord. And we ask of you once again, Lord, to help us not to focus so much on our own lives, but to focus on the life of Jesus himself. May he be, Lord, the one that we look to in worship. May what he went through, Lord, break our hearts that we may see the depths of his love for the for the for the uh, for the sins that we have committed, Lord, and the sinners that we are, and we ask of you, Lord, to bring um, renewal in our church, in our church, in our hearts, that we may serve you and serve you well. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen.